This is Aim High, the alumni podcast of Kramer Kingswood, produced by University FM and co-hosted by Robert Lee Ikadir Mohammed. In this season, you'll hear from both alumni and faculty, people making an impact all around the world and linking it back to their time at Cranbrook, a special place and community that leaves us aiming high wherever we go. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome back to another Cranbrook Kingswood podcast. My name is Kadir, and today I have Miss Holly Arita joining us. And thank you so much, Holly, for joining the podcast. Kadir, it was so good to hear from you, and it's just a great opportunity to talk about the many, many happy memories and the many things that I worked with students on while I was at Cranbrook for 20 years. Absolutely. So Holly, I know that you were a teacher at Cranbrook for 20 years. Right now, you are no longer teaching at Cranbrook, but you do work with many Cranbrook students. I would like to just give you this platform so that way you can speak to what you and your students have been doing for these last few years and what you've been up to. But before we begin, like, how have you been? Thank you. I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. You know, I was an entrepreneur before I became an educator and then started a whole new career as an educator. I taught my very first class at Cranbrook, actually. And so going back to something altogether new, so I call this, it's my 3.0. So it's my third career. You remember the first year is just a lot of learning and you can't rush it. Charlie Shaw once said that to me, Holly, he called me in his, the first year. I was a few months in and I think I was aiming high, let's just say, and maybe I fell a little short on something. And he was trying to explain to me, he said, Holly, you can't rush the arc of your first year of teaching. It's just not going to happen. But I hit the ground running and my first few years were very much about that. You said you were an entrepreneur before, and then you made the transition over to teaching. What made you want to make that transition over to teaching? And like, what grade did you teach and what did you teach your students? Well, I got into shipping, the shipping business at 19 before I really had, I think, fair enough chance to really consider my long-term career. But it really kind of took off and it was a really big challenge, which I like a challenge. Sometimes I grind too hard into a challenge, but... I was always learning in that. And 14 years into it, I had kids. So owning a business was just tough. And we shipped primarily to and from the Middle East. And it was a challenging time. 9-11 had happened. Um, There were a series of wars that impacted shipping before that even. So it was a good time to opt out. And I'd always wanted to teach. I maybe a few years into being in the shipping business, and I was still in college, I met some very inspiring educators, well, professors, and I really wanted to go into Middle East studies. And I thought I was encouraged to by my professors. And that's actually what my graduate degree is in. And that also is a really big piece of my first few years at Cranbrook was working in Arab American studies and teaching Middle East studies and running programming around Islam, Islamophobia, and building a culture of belonging at the school after 9-11 happened, I thought, this is really a time for me having, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood. I moved to Saudi Arabia when I was in middle school. I graduated from a school that was very diverse, 50% black, 50% white. I went to college in Dearborn, uh, U of M Dearborn for undergrad. I ran a business in the south end of Dearborn in the Yemeni community wound up majoring and going into grad school in Middle East studies. So it was a real opportunity, I think, to 
educate people about that part of the world. And people were afraid. When I got to Cranbrook, I met Carla Young on my interview day, and she and I got to work right away. And this is kind of what Charlie was, I think, alluding to was not many people. I think he told me their second month. I did an all schools event. It was the first Ramadan dinner, I think, at the school. And we invited families, faculty, boarding students, day students, whoever wanted to join us. And so you typically had maybe half of the people were observing Ramadan and the other half were there to celebrate with or observe with, you know, and to break bread with and eat dates with. And so the first year we had a whole lamb that was <laughs> brought in from a, a Palestinian caterer. He was very famous for that. That's amazing. And another major thing we did, and this I think really speaks to what I really loved about the school when I arrived was these were not things that were being done everywhere. And it was an opportunity. And I think that's when Cranbrook is at its best. I think it's the place where it will meet us, where we want to do our best work and where we feel we can do our best work as students and as teacher slash learners, which is what we are. About three years into it, we decided that we didn't have a rug for people. There were so many people coming to pray and we didn't really have a rug and we were constantly making do. So I talked to Lynn Bennett Carpenter, who is a good friend of mine. We, we started, you started the year after I did. And it was my first collaboration with the fine arts department, but it was not my last. And it really bonded Lynn and I. And what we did over a three-year period, students wove like a three- it was like three foot by two foot piece. And we had 30 students over those years do that. And then Lynn knows more about the weaving end of things. And so we went to a couple of places, I remember in Pontiac, to get it put together because now we had 30 pieces, right? What are we going to do? The rug dealer there was like, no way. There's no way we could ever touch something like this. This is like way too complicated. And I got in the car and Lynn goes, you know, if I had to do this all over again, I think I'd do it differently. And I'm like, Lynn, <laughs> we have to find a solution now, okay? It was really cute. So we sent it to Egypt to get woven together. And it's actually still at Kingswood. We did, I think, eight years of those gatherings. Definitely a, a touch point and sort of defining my first few years there. That's such an amazing experience. Thank you for sharing that. I know that at Cranbrook, and for the listeners that don't know this, Cranbrook has many clubs that students get to join and get to take a part of whichever one they would like to. And for those clubs, they will always need a mentor or an advisor. Holly, could you speak to which clubs you were a part of or which programs you were a part of as well? Anything that I led, I probably co-created. I didn't like take over anything except World Affairs Seminar, which wasn't really a club. It was a convening that had a long history there and I, at Cranbrook. And is also a great Cranbrook story. I think I may have done more than anybody. I mean, there's a, in terms of the consecutive number of years, I did, I think, 16 or 17 seminars. And I started my third year and was asked to run it. And it had had several iterations before. And I think one of my fondest memories is the person that founded it was actually Ben Snyder, who had been head of school. He also co-founded Horizons Upward Bound. So someone I felt like I really aligned in values. He had a real commitment to bringing the outside world into Cranbrook. And I think that for me was always as lovely 
of a place it is. I think I was always trying to help create space for students to extend their learning outside of the campus and to bring the learning onto the campus. And I think that's probably something that I think runs pretty deep in the work I did there. Absolutely. You mentioned World Affairs Seminar, and that just took me back to such a great experience. I remember signing up for multiple seminars and for the whole day, we didn't truly have class like in the traditional sense, but we would go to these different seminars led by not only students, but also the teachers as well. And I would just learn a plethora of new information and we would do all these fun activities. Do you have a certain seminar that really, really stuck with you or one that you love to teach more so than others or were they all pretty much a special place in your heart? Well, I can tell you the first one was, again, Charlie's words. There's no rushing your first time you do what is the equivalent of a mid-sized professional conference, you know, with maybe 900, 1,000 people there that day when you include faculty and speakers, maybe 900. And we had over 30 concurrent running sessions. And I'll say this, I mean, that was always in everything I did at Cranbrook. I mentioned Carla when I talked about the Ramadan dinner. This was really Erica Hansinger and I, and at the time, Jim Pickett, David Watson had been involved in the previous year or so. It had stopped. There had been a pause and students really wanted it back. So the first year, a lot of things went wrong. And we had a keynote speaker that didn't really resonate with the kids. The world had changed very rapidly from the last World Affairs Seminar to the next one. And so everybody was using technology in a way they hadn't. And so we, after that, we learned to always have a tech team to help. I think this is the intrapreneur in me. So either I'm an entrepreneur starting my own thing, like which I'm doing now, or I'm an intrapreneur in this case, we're just trying to recreate something. So we reshaped world affairs to be interactive. So students were not bored in sessions and listening to people talk at them all day, even if it is other students. And secondly, we had groups present. We set a rehearsal sort of schedule, and, and, and that was Karen Turley was just like such a great right hand for so many years and helped systemize it. But we coached kids in so many, you know, the history department, that's what they did is they, they were always active in that piece of it and helping groups learn to extend their public presentation skills. I don't have a, a favorite one, actually. I love them all, each one of them, and I it was a real heavy lift every year. My last one, I was like, oh my God, how do I do this? I think what students said during the COVID year when we were back in person, but we had masks on and things were really restricted. And the seniors said, they didn't know I ran it. Like the seniors that were in my entrepreneurship class, that was the first time they'd met me. They said, that's the best day of the year. Like the whole hockey team goes to OHOP. Then we get to like hang out with our friends all day. And, you know, I guess I would say one that really really resonates with me just in terms of the strength that I saw in the way kids pulled together was the year we lost Wills Barnett from the dorms. And it was a week of world affairs. And Arliss called me in and she said, she didn't like surprises. She wanted me to be surprised or disappointed. And she told me, you know, Holly, I think you might just need to like be ready if the kids just can't show up for this because kids were really really saddened. And it was, a, it was a tough week. I used to go and talk to the someone from the history department, would go to class meetings and, and kind of lay out the day a couple of days before. And I was on the bus and I heard a couple of kids going, you know, world affairs is really going to suck this year. 
And it was right after I left Arliss's office that I thought, okay, well, maybe this isn't going to happen. And I, I went into the PAC and, you know, actually having dinner with Julia Blesnack tomorrow, I can still see her and her, all of her friends, two great classes, the junior and senior class, they're out together and kind of holding each other up, but they just look so down. And I told a story about my first summer taking students on the replica of the Amistad, the slave ship. And it was really rough waters. And the object of that was students over two or three days, it was experiential learning, actually learned how to, they were operating the ship, like basically on their own. And it was schools from all over central states. But everybody was sick on the ship that day because it was great wind. So they put the sails up. We didn't know if we were going to land it. And they did it. And I remember coming into shore and just when we were sailing back into the port, how good the kids felt, how much they pulled together. And I was trying to encourage the kids to do that. I had one student reach out and say, you know, what? I don't know, Ms. Rita, if I'm going to be able to do it on Friday. And I said, you know what? Just take your time. Just do what you can. And she did too. She came and she presented and it, it changed the mood of the school. I guess that would be my most valuable one because I think it lifted people really when they needed, needed it most. Thank you for sharing that experience. I really appreciate that. So you recently spoke about Horizon Upward Bounds. Do you mind speaking to the listeners about what Horizon Upward Bound is? I did work in the IT Hub for a couple of years during their school year program, but certainly there are a lot of faculty that are more expert at it. But it is the oldest Upward Bound program in the country. And it's an opportunity for students in pretty considerable areas of concentrated poverty. And there's a a couple other conditions around admittance, at least when I was there, but really trying to really welcome and support students from, I think it was Detroit and Pontiac generally, to do an intensive in the summer and then during the year to, to do weekend tutoring and just to support their success in school. And it was a great public private partnership. And again, one of the many things I did my first couple years around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging at the school. And it was an important piece of that. And now I'm with Detroit Public Schools in their after school and summer programs as a partner. And in between that, I think I'd, I'd really love to talk a lot about Bridge of Divide because Bridge of Divide was, I think it was the most impactful program that we ran. Carla Young and Charlie Shaw and I came together, had been contacted by Barry Checkaway at U of M School of Social Work and Urban Planning. And it was a great collaboration with their intergroup relations department there. And we decided to try something. Erica Hansinger and I, during the school year, it was 2010. I think it was the first thing we did was a tour that U of M had, and we kind of reimagined it called Down Woodward. And so students would start the day, we'd be on a bus at the base of the Detroit River and ride up Woodward, learning about the history of socioeconomic segregation in the area. A lot of people don't know, but the Detroit metro area is really distinctive in that way and not, not in a great way. I call it now zip code culture. This is right after the Great Recession, where the suburbs and the city were kind of in the same boat. And I think it was a time to really think about that connection and and pulling together. And so it was important, 
I think for us that Cranbrook is situated on this artery that's going from the base of the Detroit River. And Cranbrook was built out of the ingenuity and the wealth of the city in many ways. So we were wanting to draw attention to that connection. I think a lot of my work was about bringing people together that might not be together. The other day, an alum told me that she had run into a student that had been on that trip. And they told her that that's the reason they work for the city of Detroit right now, you know, was that day. And then I was in Greenwich in New York a couple of weeks ago, and an alum came in off the street that I haven't seen in 10 years, Tori Hotchkiss. And she said that her firm wound up working on the reorg after the bankruptcy of the city and just how much being part of the first Bridge the Divide retreat that we did, which was with Horizons Upward Bound students in the summer, how impactful that was for her. We brought kids together for two summers with Hub students and did really pretty intensive intergroup dialogue. So kids were on our campus that share our campus. And that was, I think, what Charlie envisioned. He'd say, I go into the Cranbrook Dining Hall on Saturday mornings and the Hub kids are sitting here and the international kids are sitting here and the day students aren't there. And it was like, how can we in this time make space and be intentional about all the learning that can be done across all of those subcultures and make the most of it. And at the time I was also, I had been running all our global programs, trips. We did international internship in Turkey. Later we did that in China. But a lot of that was on hold because of of the Great Recession. So how can we do that intercultural learning? And I think it was a great example of when a few like-minded people come together, what they can create together. And I think that that's a really important theme in what we're going to talk about next, which is Youth Tank. Absolutely. We can discuss Youth Tank. So having been an entrepreneur and then being in education and being an entrepreneur, as I mentioned, I think I've always just been excited about creating something new and better. And I was asked, after running an entrepreneurship program in the city, also that involved Cranbrook students and students from all over Metro Detroit, but interning with me from Cranbrook at Tech Town for many years, I was asked by students to teach entrepreneurship at Cranbrook. And so I constructed a course that really engaged Cranbrook alumni, business owners in the area. And I'd say that is when you ask what is the best thing about Cranbrook, number one, students, number two, alumni and families. That's it for me. Like they've been my family and they've helped me do everything from World Affairs Seminar and certainly the development of Department X and the courses that I was part of, which was community leadership and startup entrepreneurship were often facilitated and mentored by guest alumni and supported by alumni. So we often put kids, the Catalos and uh, that own union joints would give us a business challenge at one of their restaurants, or we did a simulation of an electric vehicle acquisition with several alumni that helped design the actual curriculum. So the level of collaboration there was very deep and very resonant. And there's nothing like for kids to see their future. Like, look at what Cranbrook alums actually accomplished. I know that always made me feel good as a teacher to say, like, oh, who knows what you guys are going to do next? 
but working with alumni, the leaders, the thinkers, the innovators, those are Cranbrook graduates. And so started this entrepreneurship class. It became so popular that we ran three sections in a semester. And the students that did that and the community leadership class that Carla Young and I taught in Department X or mentored kids in because it's really them. They were doing the leading, really. Both of those classes were so impactful that students would say, well, what do I get to do next? And so my last year, I had two cohorts of entrepreneurial leaders. And so these were small groups of students, 10, 11 in each cohort that were really, I felt ready to create something. And having just realized that I was going to transition full-time into the city, I gave them the challenge. And, and so I can't say really enough about how it feels that I get to carry forward something that you guys built and that you're part of and that has so much of each of, of the kids in it. And not just the students who were the co-founders, because they certainly made a huge impact in their interning. And I can't tell you how much they've come through. I mean, I'm so proud of the way they've shown up. We had some hard times. We launched a summer program. We spun off like during senior May for students, branded it. They created the logos. They created the website. We created our first program that was actually on Fox 2 News locally because one of them did a press release and one of them worked their connections. And it was them. And even students figuring out what it takes to incorporate and get a 501c3 and Families also, Cranbrook alumni families actually ran our first fundraiser and have been incredibly supportive. We're in two different schools. We're at the school at Marygrove and we're at Central High School, which is the oldest high school in Detroit. And one of the things that we don't talk about is the disparities, I think, even between Detroit high schools. But we're working with some students that haven't gotten the support they need across the digital divide to seek opportunities. So to have Cranbrook students say, well, we really learned about entrepreneurship and this was so impactful and we learned how to impact our own community. Let's create a platform where Holly and us and whoever joins forces with her, and there are several Cranbrook alums also working with me too, and see what we can do to open up the entrepreneurial pipeline. So it's really giving access to a wider number of students to find an alternate career pathway if they need one. And so I think having the support to do that and having Cranbrook students and alumni come to those sessions after school, like drive down after school, pick up food often, or their moms are picking up food and help out is really inspiring. And for kids at Mary Grove, and central to see there's people that are in my neighborhood or on my block and they care about me. They think I can achieve something really great and I can aim high and they can aim high and they can. And so that's one of the other great things is I have found that the students in the city that we're working with are very enterprising. They're natural entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurship in Detroit is very culturally resonant. And it's got like high status, I guess I would say, in the culture. A lot of people see themselves as entrepreneurs. A large percentage of people see themselves as entrepreneurs. I have every hope and every faith that we're making quite an impact and that we're already starting to recruit interns in the city. The students 
that helped me create this, they worked with me, most of them three years at least in a number of ways. And so they cultivated certain skills to do that. And that's what we're doing in the city now. We just took on three seniors at Marygrove. Many people may already know this about me, but I'm, and this is what Bridge a Divide was really about, is bridging the eight mile divide. And so I feel like I've taught kids on both sides of eight mile. I've loved young people on both sides of eight mile. And Sarah Blakely, who founded Spanx and has this great masterclass on entrepreneurship that I actually used in my class last year a couple of times, said, when you're thinking about the entrepreneurial idea you want to pursue, ask yourself what breaks your heart. And what breaks my heart is when young people don't realize their potential because either the system and equities, that goes for students with learning differences as well, a lot of different kind of inequities need an education built for them to succeed and to have those opportunities to believe in themselves and stretch themselves. I think that's made a difference in anybody's life who has felt certainly professionally successful. But I think it's also the spirit of that, the spirit and faith in yourself. And I think clearing the way is a responsibility we all have. It's a responsibility we all have. Every young person, I fervently believe, deserves an education that works for them. And it's been great working with Cranbrook students to see that happen. Thank you so much. That was so passionate. I really loved hearing you speak about how the thing that really breaks your heart is when you know, young people don't have those opportunities or they don't realize their true potential. There are a lot of different types of intelligence and there's a lot of different types of talents that are valuable in the world I came out of academia. I've written two books, several articles. I'm a history major. So I certainly love that kind of learning. But I was also an entrepreneur and able to flex a lot of different like people skills and I guess personal attributes, personal professional attributes like resilience and agility and integrity and timeliness. And all these things are something that you give a space for young people to practice. Gen Z, they all have a side hustle. So I didn't invent this. I'm just, like I said, feeding kids, giving them a few tips and letting them learn from each other. And that's the way young people learn best. Maybe we all learn best that way. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. So it looks like right now, we like to do something a little bit different from what we've done in our previous podcast. We actually have two students of Holly and Cranbrook alumni, actually, that want to speak to us about their project that they are undertaking called Youth Tank. And this would be a great time for, for us to have Jace and Victor speak to us about how Youth Tank was conceived and how it's impacting not only their community, but good Cranbrook community as well. Thank you, Jace and Victor, for joining us on this Cranbrook podcast. Jace and Victor, they're both alumni of Cranbrook. They both graduated in the class of 2022. Victor, he is in Miami University of Ohio. He's currently a freshman there. And Jace is at the College of Creative Studies, and he's studying transportation design. Thank you two so much for joining us on this podcast with me and Holly right now. Yep. Thank you for having us on, on your podcast. Of course. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I would like to speak to you guys about the program that you guys started while you were at Cranbrook, and it seems to be doing very well. The program is called uh, Youth Tank. Could you guys speak to us about what you think is and who it's meant to serve? I believe when we were seniors in Holly's community leadership class, we were tasked with creating a social enterprise 
and this started out just as an in-class project. And essentially, the team that Victor was on developed the preliminary youth tank idea of sort of having a group workspace that fosters community leadership, entrepreneurial thinking, and really building community businesses from the ground up that have tangible results. So that idea was pioneered as an in-class assignment, and it was so successful that we decided to actually work with it and grow and move it beyond the Cranbrook space. Yeah, to build off what Jace is saying, the project kind of sparked because Holly announced to us that she was going to be leaving Cranbrook, and she wanted to explore what us as a class and the students thought her next steps as an educator should be. So we embarked on a journey to kind of come up with an idea of what she could do next. And as a team, we landed on Youth Tank and presented a pitch to Holly, and she really liked it. So we moved forward with developing the idea and creating what is known as Youth Tank today to serve the community of Detroit and help students from Cranbrook and our area get more involved in entrepreneurship and teaching in general. Absolutely. So how does youth actually go about serving the community in Detroit? Youth Tank is based in Tech Town and has like outreach programs in actual Detroit schools. So we're sort of essentially recruiting students, getting them involved in their own communities to both participate and pilot their own programs through Youth Tank. Yeah. So our intention is to supply students of Detroit and kids in general with the necessary skills to be entrepreneurs. So what is seen as the average path for people in our area is middle school, high school, then college, then get a job. And that average path doesn't work for every kid and especially every kid in Detroit. So the mission of Youth Tank is to supply these kids with the skills they need to create their own businesses, be creative thinkers within the workplace. So if they decide that that average path to go to college isn't the right choice, they have the necessary skills to allow themselves to be successful. And also, if they do decide that that average path of college is the right path for them, they have more than the necessary skills to be successful there. They have the necessary skills to stand out once they get there and be, as they would call, a player wherever they are. I also want to add that along with the skills they're learning and actively practicing, they're uh, making connections that they really wouldn't have access to otherwise. So we're opening up a lot of opportunity for many students in areas where there would otherwise be a dry spell of that. Yeah, exactly, Jace. One way that they create these connections is when they are learning these skills, they aren't just going through a packet and filling in circles to learn these skills. They're working with real companies and dealing with real situations and meeting real people with real businesses to develop solutions, ideas to problems that companies may face. And this lets them not only network themselves, like Jace is saying, but this lets them learn in a way that they find important because they see it making a difference and they see actual things happen. So they actually cherish the learning they're doing more than just 
in the classroom or in the textbook, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. That's amazing that you two have been able to create this program for students in the Detroit community. It seems like you guys are going down there and making a real impact. Our Cranbrook motto is we enter to learn, go forth to serve and aim high. And it seems like you guys are doing a fantastic job at capturing the essence of Cranbrook with this program. I can only imagine how proud Holly must be of you two with this program. That's a great segue for me because one of our board members, Gil Brownlee, says there's Cranbrook DNA on this project. And it's in so many ways. Our board members, the student co-founders from both classes, those that did Senior May with us and those that stayed on. And, and we right now have a college board of those Cranbrook students. And they also sit on our main board. And we have a, a number of interns right now, I think seven or eight currently at Cranbrook. And we're starting to get interest from other schools in terms of internships. But it's very much, I think, coming out of, I think, both of those, Aim High and Enter to Learn, Go Forth to Serve. Because I think being an entrepreneur is always about better. So you're always trying to do your personal best and make things better than they were. And I think Enter to Learn, Go Forth to Serve, I think these kids they're not kids anymore, they're young men. But these co-founders and these young entrepreneurs at Cranbrook took the best of that. It's a beautiful story. One of the things you asked me was, why is it different to teach at Cranbrook? And for one thing, I know that like for me, Victor and Jace and all the students I worked with, first of all, we had a ton of fun. We learned so much. And the kids in my classroom always rose to every occasion and beyond. And it was just a kind of magic synergy. And I think when you're around people and you trust, like I trust them so much and I think they trust me a lot, you can create anything. And so we're at two public schools in Detroit. We're at the oldest high school in Detroit, which is Central High School in Dexter Linwood. And we're at Mary Grove, the school at Mary Grove, which is in Fitzgerald. They're having their first senior class. So a very young school where they repurposed a very innovative curriculum in a former college run by nuns. And so we're in innovative spaces. Students that were in this class of mine identified those two neighborhoods because we wanted to be in places where there was still a lot of room for economic development. I think there is in general everywhere, but I think those neighborhoods haven't quite felt the level of rejuvenation that is the case in other neighborhoods. And we just had our first business tech boot camp, which is our third and different program. And we had kids at Apple Developer Academy that are designing a pop-up cafe on their campuses. And they spent the day doing human-centered design, logo design. And it was the kickoff to what will be five or six weeks of competition and then sort of a pitch-off where each team with the best idea. So we can have two winners. We'll have $1,000 in seed money to actually execute the pop-up as a test to what we hope will be two on-campus businesses at these schools and innovation centers that students help operate. For Victor and Jace, my last question for you guys is, what's something that you would like to inform the Cranberry community about this program? If you're considering joining or like coming aboard the youth tank team, go for it because I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I have a lot going on with school, I sports, I don't have the time. For how much it impacts a lot of people, this isn't that taxing of a commitment. And you're actually seeing like tangible results that go way beyond the Cranbrook community. And 
are going to benefit a lot of people. So I would just say like, if you have any consideration about doing it, go for it because Holly has your back and the support's only going to compound from there. It's truly an amazing team to be a part of. To follow up what Jace said, I would just like to say I met Jace when I was really little. I don't I don't remember the exact day, but we both went to Brookside. I've been going there since pre-kindergarten when I was three years old. So if anyone understands the Cranbrook culture, the mottos, the way Cranbrook people walk and hold themselves up high every day, I think it's for sure me, Jace, Holly, and anyone else on the U Tank team you could talk to. And the network we've created from going to Cranbrook is amazing. The skills we've created from going to Cranbrook are amazing, something I would never trade. One of the things that I told and ask and remind and I guess design learning around is for Cranbrook students in this case that are coming from even if if they're not an affluent culture to understand what they can learn when they go into the city. And so we have always, Carla and I and Egle, have taken students into the city to learn about community because it's a very, you know, the culture is pretty interdependent in the city. And whenever I've taken Cranbrook students there, they learn, you know, what the spirit of that actually is because in a community, people take care of each other. They feed each other. Um, and when, you know, um, people, people have to rely on each other and they have a communal culture where that is the case, then there's always something to be learned from that. So when we go into a community, we're learning from them. And I think from the first time I entered with Cranbrook students to Durfee Innovation Society, where they ran their first program, we just felt warmth and welcomed and at home. And I, we can talk a lot about, you know, and I, I cannot even understate how much, you know, the, you know um, my Cranbrook community has helped lift off with this and continues to stand together with me and others to move this forward and make an impact. But on the other hand, we've been warmly welcomed. We've worked with some great educators who, you know, I think were ready to open the doors to us and see if we had something valuable for them to learn from and that they could support. And I think the city is so about solutions now. I mean, it's like electrified just how many people and just how many youth organizations there are, some amazing youth organizations all over the place. And so there's so many people working in the same effort as we are. I think what we offer uniquely is one thing is we are, and this is something I did at Cranbrook a lot, was to bring unique partners together. So this summer, like we have Apple and Central Michigan University and Tech Town and Wayne State and Michigan State University and us running a four-week iOS incubator at Campus Martius. And those resources were there. Those are Detroit's resources. It's just we kind of piece them together to work together in a way that maybe they all have it yet. And this is going to be very exciting. And also to help make that ecosystem, which is very robust in Detroit, the entrepreneurial ecosystem, work for high school students. Because the number of students that are going to go on and finish, be able to finish financially and with family obligations and with, you know, limited readiness and in many cases for success, 
is a lot. And I think I started a business when I was 19 and I know it can be done. If you have that culture and you see yourself as someone who can one day own a business when you're young, I think you'll go ahead and do it. And I think the reason a lot of those organizations are working with us is that we understand the high school crowd and what works. And so we're building that bridge. And I think the youth have been ready to step across it. We'd love to talk to anyone who would like to listen or anyone who would like to be a part of it. It's a very inclusive program and it's changing a lot of people's lives every single day. Absolutely. Those are all phenomenal responses. Well, thank you all for joining the Cranbrook podcast today. It's been a, a complete pleasure to see, speak to all of you guys regarding Youth Tank and Holly regarding your experience at Cranbrook and everything that you've done for the Cranbrook community, as well as all, all the programs that you've helped bring to the next level. So I really do appreciate that. I know the Cranbrook community does as well. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Thanks, Kadir. Thank you for having us. So nice seeing you. Thank you for having us. This has been Aim High, Cranberry Kingswood's alumni podcast. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate if you could take a few seconds to subscribe wherever you listen and leave us a five-star review. This helps a lot in getting the word out and making the podcast easier to find. Thank you so much for listening and catch you soon.